and welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. So hope everyone is enjoying February and the winter anime 2021 season. Uh, it's not too cold where you are. Obviously, there are a ton of isekai, uh, you know, series this so, and you can probably tell by this episode title, we're going to be talking about some isekai. Um, that being said, if you frequent the anime subreddit earlier the week this episode drops, you may have seen a post titled, Got Isekai? A 64 so recommendation chart of isekai across ages and styles. With a super long image that's a series of blurbs of different isekai you should check out um, divided into different categories. Now that chart was actually made by yours truly and was the labor of most of the month of January uh, somehow while trying to keep up with my seasonal anime. I've actually taken a break this past couple of weeks to try to finish it up. Um, I'm super happy with the community response to it so far as of recording with just under 7,000 upvotes with just over 900 comments. Um, I, I made it actually the tie into this episode um you know and and you know i i think this is a really good framing point um of all the research i've done for this episode um note that for this episode we are going to be talking about as with the chart uh, only anime isekai i didn't really have time to look into the world of manga or light novel isekai since there are way too many of those uh, to really try to dig into here Alright, so what is an isekai? Well, the term in Japanese literally means different world and refers to a character, usually the protagonist, being brought to a world different than the one they were originally from. Uh, there are a lot of subtleties and nitpicks for what can be involved, uh, especially depending on the era of isekai the isekai was produced in, but there are some common factors to most isekai. First off, how did the individual get transported to the world? Um, this can vary, right? Sometimes they triggered a mystical artifact that opened the portal to the other world, sucking them in. Uh, perhaps a magic ritual from the other world summoned them to the new world. Um, you know, sometimes the protagonist has died in our world and is reborn or reincarnated into another world while keeping their old memories. Uh, a recent trend is to actually have some technological science fiction involvement, uh, especially with regard to virtual reality games. More that in a little bit. And you know, sometimes the mechanism for getting pulled into the other world is never quite fully explained, uh, just beyond accepting that it happens somehow and this is what's going on. These are usually isekai that really could just be fantasy series on their own, but for business reasons we'll talk about later, they decided to make it an isekai to have more broader appeal. Now, the majority of the time, being brought to the other world is involuntary. Um, whether or not the protagonist tries to find a way home can vary, um, and whether or not they get to their home world also varies. Um, at least for non-reincarnation stories, obviously, if you've reincarnated, that means you de you're dead in the original world. Now, sometimes, if they are able to get home partway through the series, um, they may be able to go back and forth between the worlds, or could there be like there's a hard line, like once you cross over, uh, you can't come back. Uh, some isekai focus on the fist out of water scenario, kind of like Thor from the uh, from the Marvel from the first Mar Thor Marvel movie, where it's you know this person from this other world, uh, basically coming to our world or, or going to or our world, going to a different world, and being like, oh, this is such a strange place. Um, sometimes you know they don't, and they just kind of like roll with it and like, okay, this is my life now. I'm going to you know make the most of this and settle into a pretty nice routine. 
Uh, sometimes by virtue of coming into the new world, the protagonist is a chosen one or has some supernatural, powerful move that the ordinary inhabitants of the world may not have access to. Um, usually this involves magic or supernormal strength, um, may or may not be tied to them being from their past world. Um, and, you know, sometimes this is included as part of some fate or greater destiny that the protagonist has. Uh, usually, isekai involves someone coming from a modern Earth to a different world, but occasionally you will get a so-called reverse isekai, uh, where someone from a different world finds their way to modern-day Earth and has to figure out their life here. Now, that all being said, the key component is whether or not some character crosses over into another world separate from the one that they know. Um, we may or may not actually see the original world. We may just be jumped into the, the Isekai world headfirst and never get to see the original world. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. Now, that being said, this, this definition still has some blurry spots to it. Uh, for purposes of this discussion, uh, the following categories are... I'm going to call them isekai adjacent series um, that I'm not going to really be talking about so much, um, and you know at the at, at the very least did not really include in my recommendation chart with a couple of exceptions. Uh, so time travel isekai. Now, usually characters, there are many stories where characters get pulled into the future or into the past or sometimes from the past or the future getting pulled to the present. Um, or sometimes you you die and then you're reincarnated in the future or, you know, usually in the past, like some historical era, uh, the, the Sengoku or Warring States period is, is often the common one in Japanese uh, anime. Or maybe you're cryogenically frozen for millennia and, and you break out kind of like uh, Dr. Stone or from the West, Futurama. Um, it may seem like a whole new world for the protagonist, but since it's technically the same world, just a different time, I'm not really counting it. Now, the line does get a little bit blurrier when you cross into alternate dimensions or parallel timelines or, you know, similar worlds with some differences such as, you know, gender-swapped versions of characters. Um, that being said, if I were to include time travel, I pretty much would need to include Steins Gate as an isekai, which I am not really comfortable doing at this point. Um, let's see, traveling to another realm, but not, but still within the same plane of existence, if that makes sense. Um, the easiest example, kind of to elaborate on this, is Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, earlier on in the series, earlier on in the series, Yusuke dies. His spirit ends up going to the demon world, um, and he has to, you know be there for a little bit while he regains powers to be able to come back to life on Earth. Um, and you know, over the series, they go back and forth between the demon world and the human world. Now, technically, you could consider that an isekai, right? Um, you know, since they're separate realms and then you travel to a different world. Um, you know, Dragon Ball is another one like this where, you know, Goku travels from, uh, you know, various realms, basically, um, with instant transmission from Earth to wherever else. Um, that being said, I'm not going to consider these isekai since they're kind of like within a larger cosmological metaverse that's like the same universe basically right and traveling and then the, and then the idea of traveling there and going there isn't quite as the same escapist situation. Um, now, you know, this does apply to traveling also between going to heaven or the spirit world or whatever else is out there, but, you know, I'm not going to include them. Also kind of under this subcategory are, you know, traveling into somebody's mind or dreams or subconscious, kind of like Persona or Inception, perhaps. Um, on a similar note, kind of, you know, with Dragon Ball, you know, that's a place, that's a world, and, and it's not the only one, many sci-fi series do this also, where you travel from planet to planet. Um, technically, a planet is a different world, but I'm gonna, not going to count space travel and space uh, series as isekai uh, for, that, for that reason. Um, 
Now, this one is probably the most contentious, but virtual reality games operate in this weird limbo of being isekai or not. Technically, the protagonist does visit a virtual world, um, and the degree to which you consider that virtual as separate from meat space, flesh space, IRL, um, will determine whether or not you consider it an isekai. Uh, Sword Art Online uh, is probably the, the most famous example of this. Um, well, technically, they're not in a different world. They're just playing a virtual reality game, albeit being trapped in the game and not able to log out, at least for the first arc. Um, Bofuri is another one where there is no limit on this, right? Do you consider a virtual world as much as as real as like a real world, and sometimes that's actually the thematic point of this of the show. Um, other factors that play into this, you know, are you simply playing the the virtual game, but you aren't really trapped there, and you can move in and out, kind of like with Bofuri or later seasons of Sao. Um, are you able to log out um, or at will, or are you kind of trapped in the game? Um, you know, are you playing a virtual reality game, um, or are you playing a game behind a keyboard and mouse and What's displayed on screen are your in-game avatars interacting with each other as if they were real people, but that's kind of like artistic expression, and really it's about the in-real-life experiences and using the in-game experiences kind of like as a... Um, as a as a complementary point to that, um, that kind of blurs it even more so, and you know, and virtual reality definitely blurs it a little bit more so. Um, so you know, this is definitely a, a real tricky situation, and you know, it, it's really a judgment call and up to you to what how you define it or not. Um, you know, I think the best example of the one I wouldn't consider an. an of uh, isekai would be a uh, recovery of an MMO junkie, which uh, is about playing it on a keyboard game, and there it's mostly about their out of life experience. Bofuri is probably the most on the line because you know the thematics of it isn't so much that it's like oh it's like a it's in another world right whereas SAO it's very thematically tied to you know the virtual world is a real world as much as the as the uh, um, as the as the real flush space world now of course you know there there are worlds that are very similar to game worlds um, or similar to the world of the games the players were originally playing um, but it's, it's a distinct world from being in a game that I would definitely consider being an isekai. Um, there are also various anime that have isekai be a component of the series for maybe a single or a couple of arcs. Uh, for example, Greed Island on Hunter x Hunter, traveling to ancient Egypt in Yu-Gi-Oh! or to 1923 Germany in the original Full Metal Alchemist movie Conqueror of Sambala. I don't really count these as true isekai because the conceit of the show isn't tied to them going to another world, um, especially, you know, and maybe there are cases where it's like, oh, it looks like it's a fantasy world, but oh, in the end, it was actually a surprise mystical world the whole time i think like isekai you definitely need to know from the beginning kind of the conceit of the so of being in another world going to another world for one arc and then coming back i don't really constitute it as being an isekai and you know i also shouldn't have to say this but this kind of comes up a lot a lot of people are like oh don matsi goblin slayer redo of hilo or isekai because they're in the medieval fantasy world yes a lot of isekai take place especially modern isekai in the medieval fantasy worlds we'll get into why later but if there is no traveling between the world it's not an isekai Okay, qualifiers done. I think it's important tonight also, it's not like Japan invented the idea of isekai. If you've grown up in the West, you've definitely grown up with isekai. Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Captain and Game Master or Dungeon and Dragons TV series, Tron, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, Enchanted from Disney, Jumanji, Planet of the Apes, The Dark Tower, Doctor Who, even Harry Potter to some degree if you consider the wizarding world separate from the muggle world. Now, these all to some degree can be considered isekai. Um, you know, even going to ancient mythology, 
before we really had stuff written down. Depending on how strict you are with the definition of traveling to the underworld as an isekai, stories like Orpheus and Eurydice can be considered an isekai, or um, you know, Norse mythology traveling between the nine realms is you know a form of isekai. If you look at Joseph Campbell's famous you know, monomyth, the hero's journey archetype, there's definitely specific steps at the beginning of the journey that perhaps explain why Isekai was such a compelling plot device um, that really resonates across media. Uh, specifically, the steps crossing the first threshold, you know, crossing into the field of adventure beyond the limits of the protagonist's known world into the unknown, followed by being in the belly of the whale, where you're fully separated from the known world and face conflict in the new world that allow you to grow. Isekai literally have protagonists cross the thresholds between worlds into the belly of a new world and adventure. Now, whether or not at the end of the arc, you know, at the end of the story, crossing to, of the return threshold uh, brings the journey back to the original world, or perhaps you know the protagonist has settled into the new world and they're, and they're crossing from the unknown to the known, is that, oh, now this new world is my known world. Um, that can vary, vary from story to story, but the concept remains the same. Isekai definitely fit into that monomyth. Okay, so moving to Japan specifically, one of the earliest recorded isekai actually is the story of Urasimataro, a fairy tale from the 8th century, uh, which Western fairy tales also involve some isekai as well. Um, in U Urasimataro, the titular character, a fisherman, rescues a turtle from being tortured by children. The turtle turns out to be the daughter of the sea emperor god and thanks him by bringing him to the bottle of the sea magically so he can breathe uh, to the palace of the dragon god. After he celebrates with them for three days in the underwater palace, um, Taro asks to return home. The princess gives a mysterious box, which he's told to never open. Uh, when he returns to the surface, he finds that everything's changed, his house is gone, his family's gone. It turns out, you know, after talking to some people, he actually disappeared 300 years ago in Earth time, and, ti and time has passed much faster on the surface than it did underwater. Uh, he opens up the box in his grief and instantly grows old, um, kind of like a Isekai Rip Van Winkle uh, from Japan. Now, the, now, what makes this an Isekai is the fact that he does visit the alternate world on the bottom of the sea where time flows differently, um, but there are other Japanese folklore as well, you know, such as the Pale of Princess Kaguya, where she ends up finding the moon, that also fall under the Isekai category to some degree. Now, actually, in fact, uh, you know, anime and, and the art of animation really kind of began in the early 1900s, right, with, you know, modern, with the, with the camera technology. Um, one of the earliest anime was actually a one-minute clip in 1918 depicting the story of Urasimataro. I'll actually link a clip to that on YouTube uh, in the show notes. Now, with the history of commercialization of anime as television shows in their own right, starting around 1960s or so with Astro Boy, Isekai were not far behind. Uh, one of the earliest reverse isekai, um, you know, coming from another world to Earth, um, and also one of the earliest Magical Girl series, is 1966's Magical Girl Sally, uh, where the titular character travels from the Magical Kingdom to Earth and marvels at what everyday life on Earth without magic is like. Um, and of course, you know, in your 80s, you have adaptations of Western isekai, such as Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland. Now, that all being said, I would consider the first truly original, you know, 
modern isekai television show that's not an adaptation of, of something from the West to be or Battler Dunbine, uh, a mecha series from the creator of Gundam, Yoshiyuki Tomino. Uh, premiering in 1983, it follows Sozama, who is pulled from Tokyo uh, to the world of Bison Well, where he has the excess aura necessary to pilot insect-like mechs called Ore Battlers. Uh, cue a 49-episode story of romance and mecha-mech action makes with a dash of freedom fighting, um, as well as all the classic 80s animation and style you could want. Now, interestingly, you know, I actually see a fair bit of overlap between the popularity of mecha series and of isekai, especially in the 80s. Um, since then, they were transfer transferring from the quasi-magical super robot series of the 70s to the more real robot-based series such as Gundam. You know, as the name suggests, real robot series at least strived for some semblance of a scientific explanation for their mechs. Obviously, 1980s Japan doesn't yet have the technology to really support the science behind such mechs, uh, so directors were left with two options. One, set the series on a distant future where tech could be more accessible, or to have them in an alternate world where the technology you know, does allow for it. Um, and in order to make those alternate world stories be more relatable to, to our characters, which not all of them did so, but many shows with Isekai, a protagonist from 1980s Japan, uh, to this alternate world, so the audience has some relation to that, uh, to that new world uh, through that protagonist story. Uh, in addition to our battle done at Battler Dunbine, you have series such as Spirit Hero Wataru, which is targeted toward kids, uh, Century Dimension, uh, Sen Super Dimension Century Orgus, uh, Go Nagai's God Messenger, and Leda, the Fantastic Adventure of Yoko. Now, also randomly in the 80s, there was also a Super Mario Brothers anime movie, which I have to mention, uh, separate from the 1993 live-action Western film starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. And John Leguizamo um, this is actually an isekai of Mario and Luigi entering the game of Mario and Luigi to rescue Princess Peach from the Mustang Kingdom. It's wild. Um, Anyway, heading into the 90s, uh, some things remain the same. You know, Isekai continued to play into mecha elements. Uh, NG Night Ramune and 40 and a spin-off of Tensei Muyo series uh, Dual Parallel Trouble Adventure, as well as in the 2000s uh, Tensei Muyo War of Gemnar um, being Mexos. And, you know, even our battler Dunbine had a spin-off called Garji's Wing, which is absolutely terrible, by the way. Don't watch it or do on Bad Movie Night. But anyway... Um, as Isekai in the 80s, you know, fused the popular mecha genre uh, at a time with Isekai sensibilities, Isekai further evolved to incorporate elements of other genres, uh, in particular various sojo and magical girl series. Uh, and in fact, you know, many leads of the 90s Isekai were young women. Uh, Fushigi Yugi, for example, is an Isekai that sends young girls to an ancient Chinese world surrounded by very pretty boys. Uh, the OVA Carol features a girl named Carol, uh, who's isekai to another world to fight monsters. Um, and you've got classic Inuyasa, where the protagonist Kagome uh, tumbles through a well to an alternate historical Japan filled with monsters and needs to search for the Sikon Jewel before she can go home. And of course, you have isekai that have both female protagonists and are mecha at the same time. Uh, Vision of Esophony, Magical Knight Rayarth, and Maze, the Mega Burst Space are all mecha isekai with female protagonists. Escaflone had a romance element to it, and Magical Knight Rayarth harkened back to other Magical Girl series of the day. Now, not to say that, you know, all isekai were tied to some other genre, there were some isekai that were just 
isekai for their own right, um, and were just similar to other fantasy adventure series, often, you know, involving protagonists who were trying to find their way home. Uh, those who hunt elves and El Hazard and Now and Then, Here and Now, come to mind. Now, as the millennium turned from the 1990s to the 2000s, a new technology was also emerging. The personal computer, on top of the original popular home gaming systems. And with these, you know, technology, the, uh, the internet as well. Uh, this opened up a whole new branch of isekai possibility with the idea of a digital world that people could interface with and escape to. Though isekai took that quite literally, of course, similar to Tron. Um, that's right, Digimon, if you think about it, is an isekai. It's kind of like that, that song says, right? Seven young kids go to camp for the summer, wind up living in a digital world. Um, this, along with the less popular digital monster game, uh, Monster Rancher, um, though still somewhat played into the general sense of protagonists trying to find their way home after being brought into this brand new world enabled by growing technology. Uh, other isekai followed in this vein, you know, still wanting to try to get the protagonists home somehow. Uh, the classic Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film, Spirited Away, is a prime example, with uh, Chihiro and her family being brought to another world at the start of the film, and her needing to find a way to rescue her family and bring them home. Similarly, series Twinny Witches and uh, Strange, Dawn, Strange Dawn also have female protagonists trying to get home. However, people were starting to toy with the idea of not trying to return home. Uh, Hack Sign is, you know, probably the original trapped in the video game Isekai that, you know, came out this decade. And while its main protagonist, you know, can't log out of his VR game and they're trying to figure out why, the idea of gaming as a form of escapism is explored here. Uh, the Twelve Kingdoms, Familiar of Zero, Kiba, and Dog Days are other stories not too concerned with trying to get home, but, you know, simply the novelty of being in a new world with a new life. Now, before we get into the major shift that would happen at the end of 2012 in the isekai genre, we have to talk about the situation going on outside of the anime that would lay the groundwork for the next era of isekai. I did talk about this in a previous episode, but it does bear repeating here. Now, the period from 1991 through 2001 was known as the Lost Decade of Japan, where economic growth of the country was about 1% annually, uh, which is incredibly low. Uh, in fact, this continued through 2010 and even to 2020, uh, with various causes that aren't important for this podcast. Um, the stagnant economy mostly had an effect on the social systems of Japan, uh, where economic woes led to many young men, often male, individuals being unable to find work. Uh, leading them to becoming neats, uh, you know, no employment, uh, educational or training, um, or suddens, uh, you know, aka hikikomoris, uh, opting to retreat to their escapist media, uh, such as playing JRPGs like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, as well as Western games that inspired those JRPGs, such as Wizardry and Ultima, which in turn were based on Dungeons and Dragons, which in turn were based on Lord of the Rings and medieval figurine wargaming, uh, often set in medieval Europe. Now, those who were able to find jobs didn't fare much better. Um, they often succumbed to Japan's toxic work culture, didn't leave much in the way of personal fulfillment and, and growth outside of work, which again led to an economy where, which was, you know, due to a situation, again, in a situation where the economy wasn't having economic growth, you weren't seeing things grow, right? Now, Okay, so I mentioned the escapist media that various hikikomori partake in, mostly JRPGs, but it, this also extended to reading, right? Japanese light novels and web novels, um, especially as new technologies such as the computer and cell phones um, allowed for more easy, easier access to the internet uh, at this time. See, it's all coming together. 
Uh, drawing from the settings and the mechanics of RPGs they were playing, light novel authors would you know, later go on to uh, create stories that would become the basis of the popular isekai we know and love today. Um, as I've mentioned in the past episode, Sword Art Online was first written as a web novel in 2002, right? Right after you know this this first lost decade, uh, before getting picked up by a light no- for as a light novel in 2009. Uh, meanwhile, Musoku Tensei, aka Jobless Reincarnation, uh, is considered the forefather of isekai. Came out in 2012 and was one of the first major breakout hits, um, at least in the light novel space, setting many of the tropes of the genre. Specifically, focusing on a neat Hikikomori who dies and is reincarnated to a medieval fantasy world. Now, Musoku Tensei's uh, light novel success, combined with Sword Art Online's premiere as an anime at the end of 2012, radically shifted the paradigm of what an isekai is. I mentioned in the previous episode how and why Sword Art Online's success happened, but in short, it was a combination of being one of the first isekai to really engage, or anime really, to engage with game mechanics and be about games, um, especially as the idea of virtual reality became you know much more real than what Dot Hag had, had covered a year, decade earlier. Um, being in a power vacuum as the big three of Sonin Jump, where you're getting on in years and people were looking for the next big thing. And how Crunchyroll and Funimation changed how we con- consumed anime by sifting from fan subbing groups to simulcast. Again, go listen to my Sword Art Online episode. But in any case, SAO was without a doubt a commercial success, with over 20 million copies of the light novel having been sold to date. And success often reads imitators. Light novelists wanted to be the next breakout hit, so they aped a lot of the traits that SAO and Musoku Tensei defined. Self-insert neat protagonist who lives in a fantasy medieval world that may or may not have video game-like mechanics, or be trapped in the game where they're super OP. Um, they may or may not be trying to escape. They may just decide to live their life and escape. Um, and you know, they sold. They sold really well. Uh, funnily enough, you know, I see this case where definitely like early Isekai, a lot of people, a lot of authors were these gamers who played Dragon Quest Final Fantasy. Um, you know, the, the author of Sword of Online specifically said Wizardry, one of those games that inspired um, you know, Dragon Quest and that was inspired by D&D, uh, you know, was one of his favorite games and was one of the inspirations for, uh, Sword, Art, for Sword Art Online. Log Horizon, another game-based isekai, um, you know, the... the uh, the, the the author played a lot of EverQuest um, when he was younger. So, you know, these the reason we're so trapped in these like uh, medieval fantasy worlds is because these authors escape in writing stuff that they wanted to escape to and that they tying to their game experiences that were their escapist media, followed in that lineage, you know, from you know, Dragon Quest to Wizardry to Dungeons and Dragons to Lord of the Rings. And that's why Isekai nowadays are trapped in a lot of, you know, fantasy medieval worlds. Um, and because, you know, these Isekai sold really well, both the original, you know, SAOs and Musuke Tenseis and the ones who copied after them, um, you know, that, you know, that they sold really well. Um, now, perhaps it was desire for escapist media you you know, that uh, in that period of economic stagnation. But, you know, the desire to live a different life that you're currently in is pretty universal and, and, and resonated with readers and anime and both readers and anime viewers. You know, no longer were Isekai concerned with trying to return to the original world. Who'd want to return to an economically stagnant Japan? Why not live in a new world where you're a badass and have a son of being something in life? And, you know, the production companies, sensing money to be made, like Sark Smell Blood in the Water, struck and adapted as many light novel adaptations as they could into anime. 
This in turn led to more copycat isekai light novels, which would be be adapted into anime, and the cycle continues. Uh, frankly, I don't really expect this trend of, of these escapist uh, fantasy medieval isekai to really stop until Japan escapes their economic situation and the desire for escaping media of this type recedes. I think maybe if it's like, you know, trying to escape back to the world when back to Japan when Japan's economy goes up, maybe we'll see a shift in the in the model there. Um, you know, Isekai is so popular with, with night novelist writers that when the publishers have comp- competitions for amateur writers, they have to ban Isekai stories so that there's at least somewhat more novelty. Uh, in any case, that's the, that's the history of Isekai, basically. I did kind of like speed through the last decade or so, which we'll get to in a little bit, but you know, many, many Isekai since 2012 when SAO premiered, but rather than do that, I think let's go over some stats to really frame this. Um, you know, I pulled a lot of my isekai I've been working off of from AnnieDB.com um, and all, all the scores from my anime list. This isn't necessarily a complete list out there. You know, I actually found some other isekai after I had made the recommendation chart uh, to include, but I think I covered most of what's out there. So, uh, in the 80s, you know, starting with Aura Battler Dunbine, as I mentioned, I found 8 isekai with an average mouth score of 6.43. Makes sense, given that, you know, in the 80s, anime, 80s anime may not be as popular with modern audiences due to production style. Uh, or just discovery, right? Um, in the 90s, we saw a boom to 17 isekai over the, the entire decade, um, averaging about 6.95. You know, more nostalgia comes in and style approaches to what modern audiences are used to, the score goes up. And then from 2000 to 2012, pre-SAO, um, you know, another decade or so, we see nine isekai with 7.5 average mal score. Uh, again, going up as you know the, the the style kind of gets used to what people are used to. So late 2012 to 2014, starting with SAO, we see seven isekai. Of course, genre defining SAO, but other traps in the game, uh, anime, you know, Log Horizon, the reverse isekai, Devil is a Part Timer, uh, Problem Children Coming to Another World, No Game No Life, Outbreak Company, and Ixion Saga DT. These series have an average mal score of. Uh, 7.69. Uh, now, 2015 through 2016 is arguably, according to Mal, peak isekai. Perhaps production companies started off with really the highest weighted light novels and manga to adapt in the anime, but the eight series I found over this two-year period have an average Mal score of 7.83, the highest of any time period I'm covering. Uh, we have classics like ReZero, Konosuba, Drifters, Grimgar, Asses and Illusion, uh, Overlord, Gate, thus the JSDF fought there, and Mamoru Hosoda's movie, Boy and the Beast. In fact, if not for the OVA AU Katkai, uh, which had a 6.021 mal, the average score during this period would be 8.08. Then, you know, you really start to see Isekai production ramp up. Well, previously, it took about two years or so to get about seven is Isekai, right? About one per season. Uh, You you started seeing, uh, you know, uh, in 2017, you saw six series on average uh, with an average score of 7.08. Um, that's about one and a half isekai per season. Um, and in 2018, you have seven series with an average score of 6.78, um, getting closer to two per season. Um, I won't mention every series here, but highlights include 2017's Tanya the Evil, Recreators, and Rest on to Another World. And in 2017, we have The Time I Was Reincarnated as a Slime. Oh, sorry, 2018, The Time I Was Reincarnated as a Slime, Rising of the Sealed Hero, and Isekaya Isekaya. 
And then 2019 comes, and the production studios go full hog with staggering 17 isekai, more than the last two years combined. I think that works out to like four isekai per season. The average score here is 6.68, the lowest of any time period I'm covering. Now, not all isekai here were terrible, but I think the isekai craze definitely hit here with so many copycats having come up in the five years between this and when SAO began, uh, trying to capture that craze that, you know, there were a lot of sallow imitations. Uh, the best series I would recommend from this season, according to Mal at least, would be Ascendance of a Bookworm, Costas Hero, Isekai Quartet, and Welcome to Demon School Irumakun. And then in 2020, obviously the pandemic, you know, had a bit of an impact on the number of isekai coming out. The glut of isekai sequels we are now seeing now, this season, mostly come were pushed back from 2020. Um, but even in a year with about half the anime we were expecting to see, we still got eight series, about two per season. Uh, albeit a bit of a higher score, right? 7.02, uh, maybe the lower, the lower, um, you know, rated isekai that would have been the lower rated isekai ended up not getting produced as a result um also notably i'm seeing a little bit more uniqueness when it comes to adapted shows and what they're covering in their style uh Bofuri, well barely an isekai depending on how you count virtual worlds or not was the breakout hit and the otome game uh we isekai reincarnated as a villainess hamifura also did pretty well and then, of course, Studio Colorado also put out a Whisker Away, their Spirit Away copycat movie, uh, pun intended. Now, obviously, 2021 has a ton of isekai so far just this season alone. We have the sequels to the top, some of the top-rated isekai, Reincarnated as a Slime, ReZero, Log Horizon. And in the new series, I'm a so Strider So What, plus the adaptation of the forefather of isekai, Musoko Tensei, doing really well. Plus, Wonder Egg Priority and Ura Sekai Picnic may or not be isekai, depending on your, your definitions. Um, the rest of the year also looks great for the genre as well, with a second season of How to Not Summon a Demon Lord, Irumakun, Reincarnated as a Villainess coming out, as well as I'm Standing on a Million Lives. Uh, we have a spin-off of Slime, of Slime um, as well as new series, I've Been Killing Slimes for 300 Years and Maxed Out My Level, The World Ends With You, How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom, Seed Pharmacist Slow Life, Making a Drugstore in Another World, The Dungeon Black Companies, and who knows what else is going to be announced. So beyond the basic explanation of, uh, I gave of why Isekai is popular, you know, the universal desire for escapist media, uh, which, you know, is perhaps more prevalent in Japan due to their economic situation, I can't help but think another reason Isekai is such a popular medium is it's pretty broad and pretty flexible. You know, so long as you're traveling to another world, it's an isekai. Again, various tolerances for what another world means. Um, but in the same way, so, so long as it's animated in Japan, it's anime um, with so many different styles. Anime covers the broad breadth of games and stories, and uh, you know genres and stories, and isekai does the same. Yes, modern post-SAO isekai happen, you know, again follow the Western RPG setting that they're in of medieval worlds with RPG-like mechanics in them, but they don't need to be, as we saw with the '80s and '90s isekai with mechs, magical girls, and Lord knows what else. Um, even post-SAO isekai, there's some variation. You know, some isekai you're a hero sent to defeat the demon lord. Other times, you are the demon lord. Uh, some isekai are a pure power fantasy where the protagonist can be stopped by nothing uh, because he's completely overpowered and uh, you're just a badass. Um, in other times, you know the, the world is a cool, cool place and to be in and you know, you're punished over and over again. Uh, some isekai are heart-wrenching dramas. Others are silly romances. Some are cute, comfy, slice-of-life ESK healing anime. And others are gut-busting comedies that take the spit out of their own genre. 
sometimes you fight with guns and mechs and with words, sometimes with magic, and sometimes with food or books or you know smartphones. Uh, some protagonists are, you know, sometimes the protagonist is all around good guy. Sometimes the protagonist is a blank personality that's, you know, meant to just self-insert, hence why I'm saying like you or we. Um, and sometimes the protagonist is a bit of a scumbag who goes on to give into humanity's darkest desires in a way you can't, you know, pull, do in polite society. But in the world where, the, where Mike makes fight, maybe you can get away with it. And some protagonists are neither good or evil, but they do have the distinct personality that's not just for self-inserting. Some isekai are wholesome, good fun for the whole family. Some are targeted toward kids, and some are definitely borderline hentai with harems and fan service everywhere that's definitely more adult. So, isekai gets a bad rap sometimes, you know, in no small part due to how oversaturated the market has become with recent years with cheap riff-offs um, of off-the-well-done isekai from the last decade. But at the end of the day, you know, if you really just want to escape to a fantasy world of your choice, who am I to blame you for for wanting that kind of enjoyment? And after all, if we watch anime to escape to these different worlds and escape our day-to-day life for some entertainment, isn't watching anime an isekai? In any case, you know, I hope this episode detailing the history and breadth and appeal of the isekai genre has been enjoyable. As I noted at the start of the episode, I did make an isekai recommendation chart that turns out to be pretty well received, and I think it's going to be pretty helpful for you to figure out what isekai to watch. Um, I'll post a link to it in the show notes as well as on my Twitter, but some clarifications since I got a lot of questions on it on Twitter. Uh, first off, I started working on this in January uh, before the season started, so I limited it to only anime that came out through 2020. Thus, Musoko Tensei and Reincarnate as a Spider did not quite make the list. Uh, secondly, a lot of people took umbrage to Overlord being counted as trapped in the game, uh, while later on it's maybe it's revealed that it's not really a VR game, it's a world that just happens to be very similar to his VR game. For the purposes of creating uh, you know, identically sized categories, um, the fact that you know some fuzzing was necessary and the fact that he started off in the game and the world is pretty much almost like his game exactly, it's basically like another trapped in the game isekai without actually being trapped in the game. But you know, if it's the escapist fantasy, it becomes the same thing. Um, you know, similarly, Bofuri isn't strictly an isekai, depending on how you define how I defined the earlier uh, virtual reality isekai. But since many people talk about it in the same breath as other isekai, and it has a lot of the same appeal of appeal of escapist fantasy, why not? Uh, thirdly, I got a lot of pushback about certain anime um, in the last section, which I called I Am Isekai Trash Recommendations, uh, specifically Knights and Magic, One Million Lives, and Princess Connect. I uh, um, also got questions about why certain anime, specifically Soda Online, were not considered trash anime. Uh, my answer to these. A, the, isek- the category is called I Am Isekai Trash, not that these isekai are trash. Basically, if you've gone to the first 40 anime on the chart and you still want more isekai, consider yourself isekai trash and here's everything else I didn't get to mention in the first two sections. Uh, secondly, the way the chart worked, I roughly ordered them by my animalist score with the most of the higher mile scores up top, uh, separated by date, obviously, more than that in a bit, um, and the lower mile scores in the latter sections, with a few adjustments of things swapped around to fit particular themes and recommendations to give a breadth of the variety of isekai. So, generally, lower-rated scores are in this, in this last section, uh, with Princess Connect at a 707 and Knights and Magic at 7.15. I still wanted to include them in the chart since they didn't make it into the higher-rated sections, um, and thirdly, C, Sword Online, specifically, as you can tell, uh, this entire episode, is my framing device for what defined a whole 
decade plus of isekai basically um and in this section of and you know in a section on anime and isekai influenced by soda online it probably makes sense to talk about soda online regardless if you think if it's bad or not it's kind of like talking about oh in the recipe book like oh here are all the things you know that are pasta adjacent by the way there are no recipes of pasta in this pot in this book about stuff inspired by pasta i mean like what is that right so okay Next point, uh, where is such and so isekai? I got this most commonly about Kiba and those who hunt health to classic an anime. Um, the answer is that out of about 100 anime, I re researched D64 on the list, except for Drifters, um, but I had a really high score, um, were all on legal streaming services, at least here in the States. For recommendation chart, I thought it important to suggest series that if you already have a streaming service such as you know Netflix or Funimation or Crunchyroll, you'd be able to find isekai uh, on those services without having to go digging for them somewhere else. Uh, Kiba and those who hunt elves are some of those unfortunately not available for legal streaming. In fact, most of those that weren't available uh, are either you know movies slash OVAs or pre-SAO isekai from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Uh, there are a handful uh, actually available from the various streaming services I didn't include. Uh, Conception from 2018 with a very low 4.69. Um, 2019's Aruma Kun, which I didn't have time to check out, uh, as well as the ones within in the Nino Kuni movie. And in, in the 2000s, so Dog Days. Uh, Dog Days in particular got kind of shafted a little bit because I got a lot of questions about it and its score wasn't quite high enough to be in the classic section. Uh, it has a 6.98 um, and all the other shows have higher scores than it. Um, and for the two classic anime I included in the I Am Isekai Trash section, uh, I had two 90 so which I kind of put together in there. So uh, it kind of fell in a place where it didn't quite fit in either category and I didn't have space for it anymore. So, um, you know, I'll make a uh, an update to this chart in the future, maybe include a section for you know the isekai you do need to go digging for and you know, search for on for less than legal means. Um, but you know, I definitely want to include these these anime, and I also want to include anime from this season and future seasons as well uh, to be included as I as I watch them. Now, as far as the chart overall, I basically broke it into three sections, as you can probably tell. Uh, first section in green um, are those most accessible to modern isekai viewers who have likely seen Sword Art Online and maybe one of the sequels this season, such as Slime, ReZero, or Log Horizon. Uh, those are isekai that take after SAO and have more modern production qualities for you know, all the stuff I, I mentioned earlier this episode. I grouped them into categories of similar conceits, you know, being in a game-like world, reincarnation, a rough new world that's suffering for the protagonist, comedies, and then smaller categories like food isekai, reverse isekai, off-kilter isekai, gameplay isekai without game mechanics, war isekai, and virtual reality girl isekai. I also included some movies here as well, uh, mostly to just point out that Spirit of the Way is in fact an isekai. Um, these are 28 shows total with an average score of 7.79. All but one of them is above a 7.0. Uh, the second section in yellow uh, goes back to the classic isekai era pre-SAO and have the conventions that I kind of described earlier this episode. Mecha-based isekai, female-led isekai, original trapped in digital worlds isekai, and just a category for a wide variety of, of, of stuff ranging from family-friendly to slightly etsy to despair-inducing. Uh, the 12 shows in this category have an average score of 7.54 with only two of them below 7.0. 
And then the final section in red, as I noted, are souls that I don't make any claims about, they just exist. Um, but if you're aching for more Isekai after everything I've thrown at you, consider yourself Isekai Trash and watch these. Uh, these are 24 souls that have an average score of 6.61, uh, and only 7 of these 28, 24 souls have above a 7.0 on Mal. Uh, these are grouped in the broad categories of either game mechanics or reincarnation or being transported to another world with two classic Isekai thrown in. Uh, fun fact, all you know, remember how I said 29 was like the low point of Isekai with 17 series at a you know very low rate of 6.68? Um, about half of them are found in this category, so make of that what you will. Uh, in any case, I hope that you find the Isekai recommendation chart helpful. By all means, please, share it with your friends looking for new Isekai to watch, or use it to see exactly how much of an Isekai fast you are. Let me know what you think of the chart, let me know what you think of this episode, what are your favorite Isekai, favorite Isekai conventions, uh, least favorites, um, are there any light novels or manga Isekai that don't yet have animated adaptions that you're looking forward to? What Isekai from the current season are you enjoying? Let me know on Twitter, at YetAnnoAnnyPod, or via email at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com you can follow my mal at ninjaboy333 boy with an i a link to that as well as itunes spotify and google play will be in the show notes um i'll also link to the various video essays i use for reference for this podcast including from giguk Crunchyroll, and Pause and Select, as well as, of course, my Isekai recommendation chart. Uh, if you can please leave a review on here or on any of the podcast services of your choice, or just share it with a friend, you know, it really helps out. Intro and outro music provided by Suichi Sakagami at Tandas.com. Editing and productions provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Uh, next episode, frankly, I'm not really sure what the topic is just because I've spent so much time on this Isekai episode, but uh, that's a whole new world, so we'll just Isekai over there two weeks from now. Uh, until then, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>